became a Christian on the, on the way to Damascus, on the way to Damascus, on the Damascus Road. And um, he was uh, radically trans, transformed into a Christian. He, uh, after that point, he never missed an opportunity to be a witness for Christ. He always, he always was a witness, and he always took that opportunity. Remember, before that time, he never took, missed an opportunity to persecute a Christian. So that shows you the love and forgiveness of our God and how much he loves you. So if you don't think that God can use you up here, and he used a, a, a murderer like Paul, he can use you. He can use anybody if you're willing. Paul, Paul never thought he was doing anything wrong. He had the zeal for the Lord, but he had the wrong type of zeal. But once he got, became born again, he knew how to serve God, and he knew how to make a sacrifice for God. Paul never got caught up in circumstances, you know, in, in, in trials and tribulations. As it says in, 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 uh, in James chapter 1, it says, take joy in those things. And Paul used those things just to be a better witness. So as we get started here, Acts chapter 27, you know, I, um, I was going to call it the fantastic voyage. You know, come along with me on that fantastic voyage. But you know what? I didn't. I ended up calling it the love boat. You know why I call it the love boat? You might think it odd that I call this chapter the love boat, but as we... Um, Go through this chapter, you'll see, you will see three major attribu attributes of God, love, mercy, and grace. And, and you will also see God's promise to Paul being fulfilled. Acts 9.15, but the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and children of Israel. Acts 23.11, but... The following night, Paul, the Lord st stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for, you, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. So Paul already took off on this journey knowing hey, nothing's going to happen to me. God's already promised it. He was going to get to Rome. You know, whether these guys were going to get there with him would be another story. But Paul knew he had confidence in, in our God and, our pro and the promises God made to him that he was going to be, he's going to get to Rome. As chapter 26 ends, we see King Agrippa wanting to free Paul. However, be because Paul appealed to Caesar, he had no choice but to send Paul to Nero Caesar, the Roman Empire at the time, Acts 25.10. It says, so Paul said, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews I have done no wrong, as you very well know. So as we jump into uh, Acts 27, once again, I, I labeled it the love boat voyage begins. And it says in, in 27.1, it says, and when it was decided that we should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion, of the Augustine Regiment. So entering a ship of Adrenamen, uh, well, Adrenmatium, we put to sea, meaning to sail along the coast of Asia. Asia. Arch 
Aristius of Macedonia and Thessalonia was with us. Okay, a centurion in charge was, he, he had about 100 men with him to accompany Paul and the prisoners because the centurions always had a, a regiment of about 100 men. And we know about uh, 250 men were on this, this voyage. Uh, Adramidium, a city of Asia Minor, is, is in the coast of Myasia. Aristarchus, a Macedonian Christian in prison with Paul. And you can see that in Acts 21 to 4. And Colossians 4.10, they mention Aristarchus. And the next day, so this is, oh, I didn't put my map up there, bro. Okay. Okay, so they're taking off from Jerusalem here. Okay, so they're, 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 they're on their way. And so as we go along, you'll see the journey unfold in, in all the different places. And the next day, we landed at Sidon, which is right here. So they took off from Jerusalem, came to Sidon. And Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him liberty to go with his friends. In chapter, in verse 3. You can tell the respect Julius has for Paul and the favor of the Lord over Paul. In Romans 8.31, he said, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us, huh? If God's with us, you know, we, we, if we have God at our back, we don't have to worry about a thing, guys. In Proverbs 16, 7, it says, When a man's ways please the Lord, even he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. You know, that's, that's so true. When you're at work or when you're around people that truly they are not, you know, they always go, oh, he's that religious dude. But they show, still show you respect. Because they know that the God we serve is a mighty God. Whether they think so or not, they have respect for us. And they always treat us with respect. Not, well, not all the time, but it depends who you are. But most of the time. In verses 4 to 8. And when we had put to, put to sea from there, we sailed under the shelter of Cyprus. Because of the, wind, the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea, which is off Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing to Italy, and he put us on board. And when we had sailed slowly many days and arrived with difficulty to Snidus, and the wind not permitting us to, to proceed, we sailed under the shelter of Crete of Salmon. Passing it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Heavens near the city of Lycia. In verses 48, the Alexandria ship is a merchant ship from, from Egypt. And when it says contrary winds, as they're going around here like this, the winds are coming this way, and it's pushing them up against, the, up against land. So, so they, they, they keep fighting it and fighting it till they end up right here at Fair Heavens. And so verses 9 to 10, we read, Now when much time had been spent 
and selling was now dangerous because of the fast was already over, Paul advised them. Now, when he talks about the fast here, the fast is he's talking about the Day of Atonement because they were off during that time. Also, in, in, in Leviticus 23, 27 to 30, 32, it says, Also, the tenth day of the seventh month shall be the Day of Atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you, and you shall afflict your souls and offer up an offering made by fire to the Lord. And you shall do no work on that, that same day, for it is the day of atonement, to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. For any person who is not afflicted in, in soul on that, on that same day shall be cut off from his people. And any person who does, not, does any work on that same day, that person I will destroy from among his people." You shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations and all your dwellings. So basically, they couldn't travel because they, had to, they, had to, they couldn't work. They had to take that time off. So now time is getting short. And 10, it says, and then Paul, it says, it says, um, the fast was already over. And Paul advised them, saying, men... I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. So Paul tried to warn them that, the, that bad things were just around the corner. And Paul wasn't worried about, about himself because of the promise of God. In Psalm 37, 23, 24, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in his ways. Though he may fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he who's begun a work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus. Do you guys believe that? Do you believe that, that you're, you're on a mission right now, every single one of you? We're all on different missions, but we're all on missions. And do you believe that God is going to finish that mission if you keep going forward? In Ephesians 6, it talks about the armor of God. Are you getting up every morning and putting your armor on? Are you getting ready for the battle? Because the battle is mighty right now. They're coming against us right now. You know, Satan, <laughs> Satan's at work out there, guys. And if you truly want to serve God, you need to put that armor on every morning. You need to be in your words. You need to be ready because it's, it's a tough world out there right now. And they're, they're starting to hate us even in this country. You see it all over the world. I mean, I, I pray every morning. I pray for all the, perse the persecuted church all over the world because our brothers and sisters are being slaughtered. If you look in Africa, you look in Asia, you look in Iraq, Iran, I mean, we have, you know, we're, we're getting wiped out, guys. So we need to pray for our brothers and sisters out there. We need to pray for all those that out in the mission fields right now, those that are out there preaching the, the word of God boldly. And um, we need to pray for them. You know, we need to deny self every morning and pick up our cross and follow him. That's, that's, that's our whole mission, guys. Our mission is just to follow Christ and whatever he has for you. Every morning you wake up and say, okay, Lord, what's, what's going on? Let's get it on. <laughs> And then in um, 11 and 12, 11 to 13, it says, um, 
Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, opening toward the southwest and the northwest and winter there. So they don't show it on this map. But, um, but the harbor of Phoenix is right around here. So the winds all come from here. So they were th thinking if they can get in the harbor here, they can winter there. Proverbs 1, and, and then in, in, in 13, okay, okay, I'm good, I'm good. In Proverbs 1, 5 to 7, it says, A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. We see that with the centurion and, and the captain of this boat. In Proverbs 3, 5 to 8, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, and to depart from evil, and it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Now, what's the common denominator in both those verses? Is the fear of the Lord. There's too many people out there. You know, I just, at work, I watch the guys and, and how they throw around his name in vain and how, how people just, you know, make fun of God. You know, you know, we got to watch out. God will not be mocked. You know, what you sow will reap. And you try to tell them, tell people that, and that, you know, hey, bro, you need to chill on that. Oh, no, I'm just joking, Don. That's cool, you know. I go, it's not cool, man. You're talking about my father. Don't talk about my father like that. Okay, Don. When they see I get a little serious about it, they step back. But um, we need to be about our father's business, guys. You know, he was about our business when he died on the cross, when he gave himself for us. It's all we can do is be about his business. What's uh, um, Romans 12 tell us? You know, it, it tells us, you know, it's our reasonable duty to be about his business out here. When the more, when, in, in, in 13 it says, and when the south wind blew softly, supposing that, that they had obtained their desire, putting out the sea, they sailed close to Crete. They thought, okay, we'll take off. Okay, we'll stay close to here. But watch what happens when they find themselves out here. It's not, it's not a fun trip after that. Matthew 7, 3 to 14, it says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many who go by it, and, and there are many who go by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way that leads to life. And there are few to find who find it. Are you at that narrow gate? Are you at that wide gate? We always got to just continue to ask ourselves these questions. And, and, and examine ourselves and examine how we're living our lives. Are, are, we, um, are we doing things that aren't pleasing to our Lord? And thinking, ah, oh, it's no big deal. 
Because you're compromising the word of God. You're compromising your walk. So you compromise a little bit, you end up compromising a lot. It's a, a slippery slope when you start fooling around in the world. You know, and don't, don't think you could play with fire and not get burned. You know, because you eventually you will get burnt. So when the ship was caught and could not head up into the wind, we let her drive. So now they're out here, no man's land. Now the ship is doing the driving. They're just letting go and now allowing the ship to go. And at 14, but now long after, but not long after a temptation, a tempestuous headwind arose called the Euroglidon. I had to look that one up. But it's, it's a southeast bellow. So that means the wind is coming from the south going east. So it's just, it's just pushing them. It's just pushing them. And they're trying to, they're, trying to, they're just letting the ship go. And that, now they have to uh, jump back and just allow it, allow it to go where it wants. So in 15 and 16, it says, So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. And running under the shelter of the island called Claudia, we secured the skiff with difficulty. Well, securing the skiff, meaning, you know, the little lifeboats they have on the side, they had to pull those up and put them onto the boat because they were going to get knocked off. And sometimes that's your only hope. If you got that lifeboat, you still have a way out if that boat starts to break up. And then 17, it says, when they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship, and fearing least they should run aground on the, on the uh, Serratus sands, they struck sail and so were driven. driven. Undergirding the ship is they had to, you know, I mean, these guys are running all over the place trying to get this ship together. They had to run cables under the ship and over, under the ship and over. And then tighten them down so the ship doesn't fall apart. That's what they, you know, I mean, this is, this is mad, man. They're going crazy. They're going, yeah, I think we should have listened to that Christian over there. Because now look at you, you knucklehead. And then in 18, it says, then they start, had, they start ha having to lighten the load. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day, they lightened the ship. So they had got rid of some of the supplies. And then 19, on the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. That's the tackle are the ropes, the masts, any extra sails, the gear, the tools. Now they have nothing. They're just, they're just free riding. They're just letting it take. Take them. And then in 19, on the third day, no, and actually in 2021, it says, Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. But after a long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me. And now, now and, and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. Paul had his I told you so moment. I told you guys don't go. But see, Paul was always confident in God and the promise God made to him was there was nothing going to happen to Paul. Now, the rest of these guys, I don't think they were that confident. 
because this ship was busting up. They already had to try to tie it together. I could just see it, a bunch of bowls trying to tie that sucker together. And, um, and Paul was just like calm. The, the Word of God tells us when, when earthquakes come and things get rattled, Christians, we, we got to be calm because we know where we're going. The world, the world is, is out there. They're always grasping. And we're tell, trying to tell them, hey, the only way is Jesus Christ. You, we try to let them know that um, there's only one way to God. There's only one way to the Father, and that's through the Son. You know, we know that in, in, uh, in um, John 14:6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you have the Son, he says you have the Father. And that's, that's, that's our, our security. That's what we stand on. That's our strong foundation is the Word of God. In 24 and 25, it says, wait, wait a minute. Okay, 21, okay. And then what, now 22. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. How awesome is that? He's telling, these guys are looking at Paul going, I don't think so, Paul. But Paul goes, no, no. I stand on what my God says. And, and always being a witness. Always letting people know that, no, my God can't lie. My God is always truthful. And Ezekiel, and, and this right here, 25 and 26, is showing God's love. I talk about his, his love, his mercy, and his grace. Right here is showing God's love. He's saying all these men will survive. They don't deserve it, but he's saying, God said, I, I will grant you all these. Ezekiel 18, 23, do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, says the Lord, and not that he should... He, and not that he should turn from his ways and live. Second Peter 3.9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but in, is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. God doesn't, God doesn't take joy in the death of, of unbelievers. You know, Satan, I mean, uh, uh, a hell was made for Satan and his fallen angels. It wasn't made for us. But because, because of our free will, because we choose to not follow God, it's not God's will to, for us not to, to reject him. His will is for us to love him and receive him. But God is a gentleman. He won't force himself on any of us. He could have created all of us just to worship him. I mean, nothing's impossible for our God. But that's not the way he wants us to come to him. He wants, to, wants us to come to him on our, on, on, on our free will. And that's why he doesn't take any joy that the wicked should perish. <laughs> okay, I see what happened here. See, my, I write out the studies and my wife types them out for me sometimes. <laughs> and I was looking for 23 to 25 
and I just found it. It was after 24, 25. I should have, I should have read it a little bit better before I came. <laughs> but in, um, in 23 to 25, it, it, well, in 23 it says, God's covering over Paul and God's standing on his promise to Paul. Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said it? He will not, will he, he, will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Our, our God, is, is, his yes is yes. Just like he tells us, you know, when we're at work and stuff, I mean, when we tell somebody yes, do we, do, do we go through it and, and handle it? Or we just tell somebody yes to appease him? So you go, hey, yeah, dude, I got it. Later. No, we got to do it. We, 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 we represent. We represent Jesus Christ. We are ambassadors. He calls us ambassadors to the kingdom. And what we say, we must do. You know, if you don't want to do it, say no. Simple as that. Don't appease people. What are you fearing? Don't fear man. What can man do to us? You know, fear God. In all your decisions, fear God. In everything you do, fear God. And you know what? You'll go, you'll be all right. And it'll be all right with you. you. It'll go well with you. Psalm 138.2. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. God honors his word above his name. And if God honors his word above his name, we better honor our word. In 26 to 28. However, we must run aground on a certain island. Now when the, four, when, when the 14th night had come, and as we were driven up and down the Adriatic Sea about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land. And they took soundings and found it to be 20 phantoms. And when they had gone a little further and took soundings again, found it to be 15 phantoms. 15 phantoms is like 90 feet. They say uh, a phantom, a phantom, a unit or length equal to six feet. So they, have, they were about 90 feet. They can, I guess they, it's a sounding they put down and it comes up and they could see measure by, by the, where it returns how close they are to, uh, to land. In 29 to 31, it says, Then, fearing least we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed, prayed for day to come. He <laughs> said, so, okay, we'll drop anchors and we'll see if we could just stay right here and just pray for day. They're like... And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, when they, when they had let down the skiff into the sea, hmm. under pretense of putting out an, an anchor from the prow, Paul said to the centurion, to the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. What a warning right there. See, God's mercy 
was with conditions. This is God's mercy, but you got to stay in the ship. And staying in the boat is the word of God to us. Ephesians 6, 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of, spirit, of the spirit, which is the word of God. When, God, when, when Paul's telling these men to stay in the ship, he's telling us to stay in the word. Because the word is our salvation. If we don't stay in the word, if, I guarantee you, if I'm not in the word every day, if I don't do my Bible study with my bros every morning and, and we sharpen each other, you can drift easily from the word of God. You can, you can make one day turn into two days, two days into three days. Oh, man, I just don't have no time. You need to make time for the word of God every day. You need to make time for prayer every day. It's so essential in a Christian's walk. It's so essential in our lives to make sure that we're in prayer. Because, I mean, you walk out of the house so much better once you've, get, you've started your day with the Word of God. That's your breakfast. If you're going to feed your flesh, you better feed your, your, your spirit. You know, Hebrews 4.12, Or the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. John 15, 1-4, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. We cannot bear fruit without the word of God, without staying connected to the, to the, to the, to the vine. Because what, what's he say after that? I, I'm not going to say that because it, if you don't, you dry up. And what's he do with the dry branches? He breaks them off and throws them into the fire. Because that's all we're good for is kindling fire. We need to stay in the word. If we want to stay healthy as a Christian, be in the word of God. Stay in the word of God daily. Romans 10, 8 to 9. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's the word, the word of God that saves our soul. Verses um, 32 to 38. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the skiff and let it fall. <laughs> they finally took his advice. Oh, that's okay, let's stay in the boat then. Because if we get out of this boat, there's no guarantees. And God says, if you, if you, if you don't stay in my word, there's no guarantees. I implored them all to take food, saying, Today is the 14th day you have waited and continued without food and eaten nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment, for this is for your survival, since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. Hmm. And in um, Luke 12, 4-7, I actually threw that in at the... Last minute, so I didn't. Luke 12, 4 to 7. You don't have to turn there. I'll do it for you. The 
This is God's promise to us and how much we mean to him. It says, I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that have no more than they can do. But I will show you whom you shall fear. Fear him who after he has killed has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Are, you not, are, you, are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? And not one of them is forgotten before God. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. God loves us. He counts everything. I ain't going to talk about my head, but your heads. He knows every hair on it. <laughs> this head is bald. So it had been 14 days, and they haven't eaten anything. And Paul knew that they needed their strength to get through the most challenging part of the journey. So he encouraged the men to take some food. And when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of, of them all. And when he had broken, he began to eat. When you guys are at restaurants or, or just at play, public places, before you eat, do you bow your head? Are, are, are you ashamed to bow your head and pray before the public people? You know, I, I saw this, this, this post on Facebook, and this, this police officer was sitting down, and before he was eating, he bowed and he was praying, and somebody took a picture of that. Um, we cannot be afraid to show people who we are because that's a witnessing tool right there of itself because people see you praying, they might tell you, you know what, and, and you never know who the Holy Spirit's going to bring to you at that moment. You know, I, I've, I've heard so many stories about people that were, that were on a plane or they were just sitting there reading their Bible and somebody's come up to them and started asking them questions. And then a half an hour, an hour later, they, they were receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. These are divine appointments, guys. And we got to make sure we're, we're, we're ready for them, we're prepared. And if, it, you know, sometimes it's going to catch you off guard. And what's God say? Be ready in season, not a season. To preach the gospel. So you can't preach the gospel if the gospel's not in you. There has to be input for output. You have to be in the word of God to speak the word of God or to, to pray with somebody or to help somebody through a, a tough question or a tough time in their lives. And you want to give them biblical answers. You don't want to just give them whole hum answers. You want to give them answers with meaning. Answers that will just strike them deep and touch their hearts. And they'll know that, 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 that once, they, once you've walked away, that they were spoken to by a messenger of God. Because that's what we are. We're messengers. God sends us. You know, I, always tell them, I always tell the prisoners in the county jail, I say, hey, I'm just a messenger. Don't get mad at me. And, and you know, when, when sometimes you've got to touch, you know, uh, sensitive uh, Topics like homosexuality or abortion or something. And, you know, everybody wants you to be politically correct. I can't be that. That's just not my nature, for one thing. You know, we, we, we get the word from the pulpit from Xavier, and he, he doesn't sugarcoat anything. You know, and that, that's the only 
man I've, I've sat under for the last for 24 years, almost going on 25 years I've been saved. And that's the way I give it out. You know, and if it offends you, then you take it up with God. Because I'm here to offend you sometimes, you know. It's the word of God. It's the word of God. And, you know, sometimes you think about it, but you know what you say, hey, it is what it is. If they tell me I can't come back in here for preaching the gospel, then that's what God has, because God's in control. I don't, like I said, you can't fear man. You can't fear what man can do to us. I mean, what's it say right here? He can't do anything, you know? I mean, the worst the man could do to us is kill us. And you know what? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I am there, man. I am there, and I ain't worried about this election anymore. I ain't worried about <laughs> none of this stuff going on in this country. Because, you know, I, you know I'm old school. I, I'm 64 years old. I, you know, I, I grew up in the 50s and 60s, and... and I can't believe where our world has been gone. I mean, we're, we're, we've absolutely gone crazy in this world, in, in this country. The world's, the world's going to be a world, but this country is no longer. I remember when I grew up, everything was closed on Sundays. I mean, you know, when a woman, man and a woman lived together and they weren't married, they were living in sin. You know, there, there was all these, these things that, you know, I wasn't a Christian, but I still knew these things. Because that, that's what society taught us. That's what schools taught us. You could still see a Bible and there Ten Commandments were on the walls. Now we, we, yeah, the Pledge of Allegiance every day. We'd stand up and say the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah. You know, and now they're indoctrinating our children to where they don't, they don't even know our true history. You know, we were taught history. We were taught reading, writing, and arithmetic. Now they're teaching them how to go to the bathroom and stuff, you know, you can go to, I just heard on the news today, you know, over in Oregon, they're taking all the urinals off the wall because they don't want to confuse nobody. What? In the boys' bathroom, they're taking the urinals off the wall. That's just, and it's not because the people want it. It's our government. It's the people that are running these, these states. They're out of their minds. It's getting bad out there, guys, and we need to be, we're on the front lines. Let's get ready. Let's get ready for battle. Because now God's looking for warriors. Warriors, come out and play. <laughs> but he is looking for warriors. I thought I'd throw that one out there. Okay. And when it was day, they did not recognize the land. But they observed a, a bay with a beach onto which they planned to run the ship if possible. And they, and they let go of the anchors and let them into the sea. Meanwhile, loosening the rudder ropes, and they hoisted the mainsail to the wind and made for the shore. But striking a place where two seas met. Sometimes I see that on the National Geographic where two seas or two rivers come into the ocean and they're meeting and it's just, Turbulence, turbulence. It's like a dishwasher. And, um, and where they and were the, striking a place where two seas met, then they ran the ship around, and, and the, prow, the prow stuck fast aground in the, uh, and, and remained immovable. So the ship was stuck, and it was just getting beat around, beat around, beat around, and now it's just going to fall apart. There was nothing holding it. Even what they, 
when they wrapped it and everything, it's not, it's not holding together. And the, and the soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wanting to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land. And the rest, on, some on board, some on parts of the ship, and so it was that they all escaped safely to land. Wow. What, what, a, what an adventure. And you know what? And God's grace, all lives on the ship were spared. Amen? Just like if we stay in the ship and stay in the word of God, God's going to take care of us. And he's going to, not only just us, but he's going to take care of our families, our homes. You know, we sh- he shows us favor. He takes care of all our needs. And so I'm going to end with this. I actually got this from the Daily Bread. I don't want to act like it was, it was mine. <laughs> it says, when opportunities to serve God come our way, we may feel unqual- uh, we, might, we might not feel qualified for the work. Thankfully, God is not necessarily concerned with our skill set. He prizes our character, our love for him, and our willingness to trust him. And when these qualities are being developed inside us by the Spirit, he can use us in, in big or small ways to accomplish his will on earth. That's Amen? <laughs> Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for my brothers and sisters here, Lord. And I just thank you, Lord, for the words that you spoke through me right now, Lord. And I just thank you, Father God, for, for your love, mercy, and grace. And, Lord, we do lift up all our brothers and sisters out there the persecuted church all over the world, Lord, and all our brothers and sisters being persecuted right now, Lord. We pray for all the missionaries out there, those that are just uh, giving of themselves, leaving their homes and going to faraway countries, Lord, just to preach the gospel, Lord, and we just lift them up to you, Lord. And all of us here that are serving in some ministry and whatever ministry it might be, you might be serving in, just serve it with, with all your heart and all your soul. And Father God, I just thank you, Lord, for just um, this time. This time you, you allow us to spend together every Tuesday night, Lord. It's so fulfilling, Lord. And it's, just, and it's you know, you, we can't imagine if we didn't have a place to come to worship, Lord, if we were being persecuted under persecution because we worshiped you, Lord. We don't know what we would do, Lord, but we know that we would worship you, Lord. We would find a way and we would do it because we don't fear man, Lord. So, Father God, thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for my brothers and sisters here. And I just pray that everybody has traveling mercies going home, Lord, and that you would touch all the hearts of everybody that came, Lord. We pray for everybody on the trip to Washington that they get home safely, Lord. We lift up this church. We lift up our pastors, Lord. And, Lord, that your hand would be upon them, Lord. We pray and give thanks, Lord, for this church and for the teaching we sit under, Lord. So go before us, Father God. We thank you and we praise you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.